Two commanders in concussion protocols. We get week three underway, and one looks like he's on the path to play against the Buffalo Bills. That and more on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into today's episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. And don't forget that you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. I asked you to help me get to 6,000 subscribers, and we are oh so close. So if you haven't already, please help me get to that 6,000 subscriber mark and click subscribe on the episode if you're on YouTube. And of course, you can continue this conversation with me by becoming a Locked On Commanders insider. Just go to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders. And from there, you'll get text messages from me during games, before games, after games, practices, press conferences, the whole nine yards. You can be free uh, to ask me any football-related question you want along the way. And I'm your host for this episode for this program, David Harrison, on Twitter, at DHarrison82, credential member of the media covering the Washington Commanders for commandercountry.com a part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers and everydayers you already know, but I'm going to tell you anyway, I appreciate your continued support for the show. This episode brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash NFL. Use the code LOCKEDONNFL in all lowercase to get a first deposit match up to $100 on today's show. You're going to hear from quarterback Sam Howell. You're going to hear from defensive tackle Deron Payne. But we're going to start off today's episode talking about Deron Payne, who had a great game in week two, but he might not have any game in week three. If you believe the early, early practice reports, going over the early practice reports on Wednesday, Washington Commanders Deron Payne did not participate in practice on Wednesday due to the ankle injury that he suffered during the game with the Denver Broncos. If you remember that, he came off the field. Well, he was on the field for a little while, came off the field eventually under his own power, was able to return to the game uh, and all that. Now, once the adrenaline wears off, the tape comes off, the cleats come off, things tend to happen. And it looks like that ankle maybe was bothering Duran a little bit more than initially thought. So he missed practice on Wednesday. Logan Thomas, the tight end, also missing practice with a concussion that he suffered. Uh, more on that here in just a second. Limited in practice defensive back Quan Martin, who's also going through concussion protocol from a concussion that he suffered in week one. Full participants, Curtis Samuel with a hip, Nick Gates with the uh, knee, and Brian Robinson also with a hip. On the Bills side of things, defensive end Leonard Floyd with an ankle injury, safety Micah Hyde with a hamstring injury, tight end Dawson Knox with a back injury, and defensive tackle Jordan Phillips with an illness. All non-participants in practice on Wednesday. Limited in practice Wednesday for the Bills, linebacker Terrell Bernard with a knee slash quad. Now, here's the thing. This is Wednesday, so please, nobody, nobody, nobody panic about the Wednesday Injury report. Now, if Deron Payne's not out there Thursday, okay, we'll have a little bit more of a conversation. Now, still not panic time, right? Because this is a guy in Deron Payne who's had plenty of snaps. He's had plenty of time in this defense. He he knows what he's capable of. We know what he's capable of. Honestly, he can miss all three practices, still play Sunday, and I wouldn't be too concerned about it. You're going to hear from him a little bit later. He's going to give you a very brief synopsis of how he feels uh, going into the weekend. So make sure you stick around for that. Logan Thomas, however, I'm pretty sure Logan Thomas is not going to play. Now, I'm hoping I can be proved wrong. We talked about this when we talked about Quan Martin's concussion. I'm pretty much of the belief these days that if you go into protocol, concussion protocol, you're going to miss at least one game. So for Logan Thomas, this would be at the, that at least one game. And then we'll see 
where it goes from there. Coach Vera was asked, of course, about Logan Thomas's status on Wednesday, and he said, quote, he is in concussion protocol. He's going through the, I believe he's on probably the first or second phase, and we'll see how he's gotten through it tomorrow morning. So this has come up before, and I didn't know the full breadth of the answer, so I didn't want to give you guys wrong information. So I actually looked it up, and a big thank you to the guys at 33rdteam.com. If you're not reading their stuff, those are some really good people, smart people over there. Uh, so make sure you were doing so. But they actually broke down the phases of concussion protocol uh, a while back. So here is a basic synopsis of what the 33rd team uh, you know, looked up and, and, and wrote out for us in depth. If you want to read the full in-depth version, by all means, if you Google 33rd team comma concussion protocol, it'll probably pop uh, right up. A lot of good information in there. But here's basically the footnotes as I understand them. Phase one is categorized as symptom limited activity. So you're showing symptoms. The player has symptoms of concussion, limited to rest, has to avoid physical and cognitive activities that increase or aggravate those symptoms. So anything that makes the symptoms worse, he cannot do it. Daily living, fine. Limited stretching, fine. Balance activities, okay. Light aerobic activity, if tolerated. That means the symptoms, again, don't flare up. And he intend meetings and film study, again, as long as the symptoms don't flare up. That's phase one. Basically, you're breathing, dude, and, and we'll monitor you, we'll test you, but we're not doing much more than that. Phase two, aerobic exercise, graduated exercise program using stationary bikes and treadmills, and they can go into some dynamic stretching and balance training. Gradual increase in the activity is the key there in phase two. Ron Rivera believes that Logan Thomas is somewhere in those two phases, right? Phase three, football-specific exercise, supervised cardio that increases and begins to mimic sports at sports activities. Players can practice with the team and exercise portions only for 30 minutes or less, and the player has to clear a neurocognitive test that doesn't indicate any residual cognitive impairment. Every time he doesn't get cleared from that test, it's another 48 hours before retesting is done, and they cannot proceed uh, proceed till phase, to phase four until they're cleared through that test. That is where I believe Quan Martin is, or here is where I believe Quan. Uh, Quan Martin is that route. That's phase four. So phase four is where I think Quan is right now. Club-based non-contact training drills, uh, continued cardio, strength and balance testing, uh, all that good stuff. But you can also do non-contact football activities. If they can tolerate this without signs or symptoms of concussion and testing returns to his baseline or below baseline, then they can move to phase five, which is full football contact and activity and clearance. And that is what we are hoping to get from Quan Martin this week. Would love to get it from Logan Thomas this week, but I think we're more likely to see it next week against Philadelphia uh, before anything else. So, again, big thank you to 33rdteam.com for that breakdown. I gave you the footnotes. Make sure you go over there and read the entire thing uh, if you want to know the but the most in-depth about the uh, concussion protocols. Now, I had a couple of suspension-related questions uh, pertaining to Kareem Jackson, the defensive back for the Denver Broncos that uh, laid down the hits, the dirty hit on Logan Thomas that put him in concussion protocol, and uh, he is not being suspended. Instead, He's going to be paying an increased fine. Now, he paid $15,000 in week one for a hit that he put on Raiders receiver Jacoby Myers because this dude is a multi-time offender. Uh, Myers left that game with a concussion and missed week two against the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills proceeded to boat race the Las Vegas Raiders. Certainly, uh, the Raiders would have liked to have had their free agent acquisition this offseason on the field. I asked Ron Rivera if there's anything that the league needed to do or could do moving forward about these types of plays, especially after seeing Logan Thomas leave the game with a concussion and Sam Howell have to get evaluated for a concussion on a uh, similarly dirty hit in week one. And Ron Rivera said, quote, not necessarily other than discipline. I mean, that's the only thing that might be the biggest deterrent. Obviously, nobody wants to take a player and throw them out and let alone have to suspend them. 
But if that's what is coming next, and hopefully the players will understand that this is a safety issue and not just for the player you're hitting, but for yourself as well. I know that's one of the topics that we go through every year. We look at all those hits that are flagged and we'll even look at some that were missed and we'll discuss it. What can we do? Ultimately, what is going to happen is you'd hate to see it happen, but you may have to start having a few more guys ejected or suspended. I mean, fining is one thing, but when you start taking away playtime, I think that impacts players a little bit more. And that'll be a big discussion probably in the offseason that we're going to have to have, end quote. So, you know, look, it's not just commander's games. All right, guys, there are a good amount of personal fouls, a good amount of late hits, uh, hits to the head, you know, defenseless receivers, all this stuff happening in the NFL this year. I don't know if it's more necessarily or maybe just feels like more and then we're just hearing about it more. Uh, but the bottom line is if that trend continues, then, you know, according to Ron Rivera's words, that this discussion is probably going to elevate to potentially putting some sort of automatic suspension uh, in place. You know, I know in college, you know, if you get dejected for targeting, what is you have to miss a full game? So if you're in the second half, you miss, you have to miss the first half of the next game, stuff like that. I don't know if that's where exactly they'll go. But I do get the sense that Ron Rivera agrees, essentially, that something more has to start happening because, these guys are getting fined. You know, Kareem Jackson paid $15,000 just last week, and he came through the very next week and did the exact same thing, if not worse, actually, uh, to Logan Thomas. So we'll see what, you know, the NFL does moving forward. That is our injury report right now for Wednesday. Again, we got two more coming by the end of the week, so don't pain panic just yet. Uh, but that also answers our first mailbag item uh, that we had in our mailbag submission. So another mailbag item. Uh, whether or not we should express expect increased production from receivers Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin. That's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Commanders is brought to you by eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are a guaranteed fit to your roster. So let's see who Vinny has picked out for us on this week's eBay's guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week. Ravens rookie wide receiver Zay Flowers had a fine debut in week one before a more modest week two. The Flowers will go into full bloom while cruising to a big game on a weak Colts secondary at home in week three. Flowers will be schemed open well as Baltimore's new look passing game continues to find more life with Lamar Jackson. If that's not the fit that you're looking for, Eagles wide receiver A.J. Brown is looking for his first TD and 100-yard game of the season going into week three against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But he's had a great chance to accomplish both after combining for 11 catches on 16 targets for 108 yards in his first two games. The Buccaneers have struggled with number one wideouts early, and their run defense will make Jalen Hurts throw more. As the squeaky wheel, expect, expect Brown to get plenty of grease on Monday night. If you've got more grease and more squeaky wheels, Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. And the same goes with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebay.com slash motors. eBay guaranteed fit available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Thanks again for making Locked On Commanders your first listen today and every day, your first view today and every day and every dares. 
Thank you again for coming through on a consistent basis like you do and for submitting mailbag submissions, especially my lock insiders. Most of these questions come from my lock insiders and some double dippers, which means we've got a good amount of people that want to hear the similar or same type of things. Now, we already kind of answered a couple of mailbag items. I had some mailbag items about Kareem Jackson and whether he is or should get it suspended. Uh, some questions about protocol, concussion protocols, uh, and things like that. So we're already kind of into the mailbag before we officially get into the mailbag. And honestly, today, guys, we're going to get a one-question mailbag because this question spurned a whole lot of research out of me, and, and that happens from time to time because Commanders fans, I will I will applaud you. One, back-to-back sellouts. Week one, week three, both sold out of FedEx Field, so big applause uh, for that. I'm not going to actually applaud because that would be really bad in the uh, microphone and in your ears if you have AirPods or headphones in. Um, but I'm also going to applaud you for your mailbag questions because you guys bring the heat uh, every time. So I got a couple of questions here. And basically what we're asking is, is it a surprise that Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin specifically, uh, but really, you know, Curtis Samuel, De'Ami Brown certainly have, have been limited participants, so to speak, in the offense so far. And then also a, a couple of questions about each guy. Uh, on what should we expect more? You know what I mean? And I feel like some of these questions are living in fantasy football land and that's fine. You know what I mean? That that's perfectly fine. But Jahan actually got most of the questions. And I think Jahan Dotson and a lot of drafts went earlier than Terry McLaurin uh, because I think a lot of people were expecting a lot of, of production out of Jahan this season. So let's start there. And, and being a non-factor, I really think is a matter of perception, right? So if you're talking about fantasy football, obviously lack of yards, lack of touchdowns, that's going to be, be perceived as being a non-factor. But if you're talking Anything outside of fantasy, you have to get beyond the numbers, right? That's where stat scouting can get a little bit dangerous. So he hasn't been effective for your fantasy roster with eight catches, 62 yards, no touchdowns, on pace for 68 receptions, 527 yards, no touchdowns. And obviously that's not going to be his final stat line. But when you consider that Jahan Dotson specifically has gotten 12 targets this year, that's tied for 41st overall by himself. Not the greatest numbers in the world. He is the most targeted Washington wide receiver so far as well. Now, Logan Thomas is the second most targeted receiving player. So tight end here, uh, obviously with 11 targets. And then Terry McLaurin is third with 10. So Terry McLaurin, your number one receiver through two games, averaging five targets per game. Typically, you want that number uh, a little bit higher. You'd like to see it get 10 targets per game. Bottom line, right? But the target share alone tells defenses that they cannot rest on just guarding Terry McLaurin, right? You cannot guard just one guy. And because there are three receiving players with 10 to 12 targets piece, including a tight end, two guys who can play outside and inside on either side of the field. Defenses come into matchups with the Washington Commanders knowing they have to cover the entire field, sideline to sideline, middle of it, deep, short, intermediate. And that gives Sam Howell a much more equitable field of defense to navigate, a much more spread out defense. They can't bunch up. They can't double team one guy and force you to go to a guy that's going to drop everything you throw his way, stuff like that. Now, this is something that we spoke with Ron Rivera about on Wednesday because the knowledge that teams have that Terry, Jahan, Curtis Samuel, Deami Brown can all run deep routes and that Sam has more than enough arm to take advantage of those deep routes if teams are, are going to let them get behind him is leading to a lot of off coverage called Ben don't break defense. But whatever it is, it's going to put more pressure on how to put the ball in smart spots once they get to the red zone, right? So you're going to give up a lot of dink and dunk, Bill Walsh type West Coast offensive plays things that Andy Reid's popular for as well. So obviously Eric Bieniemy is. And then once you get into the red zone, defenses look to put the clamps down and either force you into a mistake because of the condensed field or force you into a field goal because everybody says you can't win games with field goals in the red zone or in goal-to-go situations because things become increasingly difficult 
in those areas. So to a certain extent, the presence of Jahan Dotson, the presence of Terry McLaurin, the presence of Curtis Samuel, De'Ami Brown, four guys that can literally line up anywhere in the formation and run any combination of routes is productive because of what it's doing to the defense and because of how it's helping the quarterback. And then the quarterback with his arm and his ability to get the ball downfield is being productive because, again, that is supporting, you know, we saw with Taylor Heineke, right? Just because you have receivers that can stretch the field, if you don't have a quarterback, then get them the ball. Defenses don't respect it as much. We saw it all last year. We saw it all the year before. Uh, well, not all, but whenever Taylor Heineke was in there, now with Sam Howell, you're seeing a lot more off coverage because of what these guys can do on the field. Of the 87 receivers, back to the point of lack of production, of the 87 receivers that have 10 or more targets this season, Dotson is 41st in receptions while being 70th in yards. McLaurin is 48th in receptions and 46th in yards. Neither guy has a drop. McLaurin has a TD. I think really, again, the reason these two guys aren't producing to the level maybe some of us wanted or expected, especially if you invested fantasy football draft capital in them, is because of the opposing defenses playing so far off of the Washington receivers. Along with those rankings, Dotson is 61st in air yards intended, meaning that there are 60 other receivers who, when targeted, are being targeted deeper. Again, it shows you take advantage of the short area of the field because defenses are playing deep. McLaurin, on the other hand, ranks 34th, which is why he has fewer receptions but more yards than Dotson this season. And you also have uh, the explosive touchdown play against Denver just a week ago, right? Really, it's a sign of respect, right? So that lack of production, it can be viewed negatively, but really what it should be viewed as a sign of respect. The teams are playing these guys so far off, respecting for the receivers, but also respecting Sam Howell's arm. And remember, every one of these staffs scouted Sam Howell coming out of college. And they're also seeing the arm that threw a 30-yard touchdown pass to Terry McLaurin on a rope. If you don't remember that play, go watch that play. YouTube, I think it's one of the NFL highlights on NFL.com. Go look at that play. That is not a arcing St. Louis arc, high arcing pass that he dropped in a bucket. No, that is a rope that he lassoed right into Terry McLaurin's hands. On top of all that stuff, there's also the scheme factor. We had a YouTube comment about the commander showing the ball 30 times in the first half, nine times in the second against the Denver Broncos, like it was kind of like a negative. And that's accurate from a stat scouting standpoint, but it doesn't tell the whole story because stats don't tell the whole story. Remember, in the first half alone, the Broncos had four offensive drives that lasted less than five minutes. Three of those lasted less than two minutes. The time of possession battle after the first half was 18.52 to 11.08 in favor of the Commanders. That's how much more they held the ball. They also ran 40 plays compared to the Broncos' 22 plays. On top of that, because of mostly defensive and special teams deficiencies, the Commanders found themselves down by multiple scores by the end of the first quarter. So the option of riding the ground game all day long really wasn't an option. Because of that, the Commanders were able to pull back to within a touchdown by halftime. A lot of passes in that process. While Howell just only threw nine passes in the second half. That's true. He only threw nine passes in the second half. Six of those passes came before Washington took the lead. There was one drop back where Howell scrambled on. There were two passes nullified by penalties, one on each side of the ball, and a sack. So before the commanders took the lead in the second half, EB had dialed up 10 pass plays in the first 18 plays of the second half. So again, a lot of passes actually executed in the first half. Second half, you still had a solid amount of passes being called, whether or not the execution allowed for it. It wasn't until the lead was in Washington's hands that the team went super run heavy. Even when they did, the first run uh, of that stretch was the Sam Howell scramble. So it was actually a pass play called in that first stretch of heavy run plays, right? Even then, most of your first down plays were actually uh, pass calls. So what you're seeing 
our defense is playing soft coverage because they don't want to let a quarterback with a deep arm find receivers with deep route ability. And the result is a lot of underneath stuff and it's a lot of room to run. And he has permission to do so in this scheme, which is amazing. You have a mobile quarterback that is actually allowed to use his legs. Who would have thought that would be a thing? So much so that even late in the game, when teams know that this team is in run first mode, they're still climbing all the way back. So even when a play, a pass play is called, Sam Howell's taking advantage of it with his legs and then turning him into runs. And EB's going to hit him with play action, deep shots, if they creep up, even in late game situations. So that's the that's the situation these defenses are in. That is why you're seeing a lot of short stuff and not as much stuff down the field. So it's really a good thing, unless you're talking about fantasy football. That being said, start looking for teams who are more aggressive in the secondary and like to play man coverage, unlike the Bills. Uh, unfortunately, guys, the Bills are in zone 55% of the time. They only blitz 10% of the time so far this season while preferring to leave seven men in coverage 90% of the time. Uh, you're also going to see a lot of 3-3-5 three, three, alignments, three down linemen, three linebackers, five DBs for most of the game. Uh, and when they do swap out a linebacker, they usually add a D lineman, so you still have five DBs. You're really never going to see four DBs on the field for the Buffalo Bills. Okay, um, All that data comes from Sports Info Solutions, by the way, so special thanks to them for that. I don't know if that's the answer you wanted, but I got some other questions about Deron Payne. We've already talked about his game status a little bit. But I'm going to let you hear from the big man himself. We spoke to him Wednesday at his locker. Uh, that's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. And this episode of Locked On Commanders brought to you by Prize Picks, the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS because it's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Prize picks is really simple to play. I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. This week on Prize Picks, I'm doing a Thursday night football triple play. That's my phrasing, not Prize Picks phrasing, but I'm taking 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy to go more than 222.5 passing yards. Giants tight end Darren Waller to get more than 50.5 yards receiving, and 49ers running back Christian McCaffrey to get more than 112.5 yards of total offense. But I'm also keeping an eye on Prize Picks weekly promotions. I was watching Tuesday for Taco Tuesday, where they pick one player and they discount their projections by 25% to give you even more value. And what's the best is that Prize Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use the code locked on NFL in all lowercase for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, it's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Promo code locked on NFL, all lowercase. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Wrapping up this mailbag episode here, Locked On Commanders. Had a whole lot of questions asking about Deron Payne's play status. And best thing I can tell you is Wednesday he didn't practice. Wouldn't put a whole lot of stock into that. Uh, we'll see what he says Thursday, Friday. But Deron told us he feels pretty good. I'll let you hear it yourself. How do you guys start faster? Just, um, I feel like for me, I know for me, I'll be filling things out a little bit and then I'll come out second half and do stuff like I did on that first drive. So I feel like it's more so not filling out and just going and playing fast. What's the challenge this week with Josh Allen coming to town? Uh, he's just a, a playmaker, man. You got to be aware of him as like a runner more so than anything. So just, um, just keeping them in the pocket and uh, having some awareness when we're rushing them and uh, containing their run game and just getting after them. How do you feel physically? I'm good. I'm good to go. All right, that was Washington Commanders defensive tackle, Deron Payne. You heard it from himself very quickly, but he said, I'm good. I'm good to go, right? I asked Ron 
uh, after practice on Wednesday about the difference between Deron Payne when he first met him to now as a player, that is. And Ron said, quote, just the consistency in his play now. Last year, one of the big topics was always about him finishing. And once he started finishing last year, it's apparent that he is a dominant player. That Then the way he finished last Sunday was about as impressive as it gets. We have a heck of a tandem with him and Jonathan Allen. These the, Those two guys are about as dynamic a group of guys have been around. I was fortunate to be around when KK1 Short uh, and Starla Tulele worked together in Carolina. Those two guys are probably more explosive, more dynamic, and I was very fortunate to have those two guys when I was in Carolina. But you also coupled it with some of the guys that we have in backup roles with defensive tackle John Ridgeway, defensive tackle Abdul Anderson. We got a pretty stout bunch up front, and we're very fortunate to have that group. End quote. Right now, the team and fans, uh, and I think some of the media, are starting to feel pretty fortunate they have Sam Howell at quarterback. Let's hear from your starting quarterback from his press conference on Wednesday. You know, I'm always trying to find ways to get the ball out of my hand and limit sacks. Um, obviously, I think we still still had more than we'd like to have. Um, so just got to continue to do a, do a better job of that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a big, big emphasis for me is try to get the ball out. Um, and even when stuff is there downfield, just try to find an incompletion. Um, an incompletion is better than a sack. Sam, a lot of conversation about quarterbacks going up against quarterbacks throughout their careers. Your first chance to go up against a Josh Allen-led team. What are your thoughts on Josh as an NFL quarterback and this opportunity? Yeah, Josh is a tremendous player. Um, you know, one of one of the guys that's probably more fun to watch in the NFL. Um, and it, it's it's been so much fun to watch him, you know, do what he's been doing in Buffalo. Um, so it'll be an, an exciting opportunity for me to, you know, go head to head with him. Um, I don't know Josh personally, um, but looking forward to the opportunity to maybe talk to him after the game or something. Um, but yeah, a lot of respect for his game and just how he plays the game. You know, he's tough. Um, you can tell he's a great leader, and it's it's a lot of fun watching him. And then there's been a lot of praise for you guys, how you come out of halftime in these these first two games, the adjustments you guys have made. But halftime's a relatively short period of time for, for you guys. Um, can you kind of go through a little bit of, of insight of what that process is really like getting into the locker room and coming out with those adjustments? Yeah, like you said, it's not much time. Um, but, you know, as, as soon as we get in there, kind of the coaches are getting together and talk about, talking about their adjustments. And then us players, you know, we're kind of talking about anything that we're seeing. And then we kind of all come together. Um, EB gets us all together and we just talk about our plan. Um, we talk about the plays that we like coming up in the second half and we talk about what our approach is going to be going against the defense in the second half and what we're expecting to call in that first drive and kind of if we are going to take some shots in the second half, what kind of shot plays we're talking about calling. Um, but just getting at, getting on the same page and kind of just having a plan. Um, and that's the main thing. And I think EB's done a really good job of making sure we're coming back out at halftime with a plan. Um, and it's worked so far. All right, that was quarterback Sam Howell from his press conference on Wednesday. Again, good self-awareness, correcting uh, himself and being aware of what he needs to correct, uh, less than effective behaviors that are going to hurt the team, and then a little bit of opportunity to pay reverence uh, to another great quarterback in the league. That's something that Sam and I have actually talked a lot about off the record is other quarterbacks. Uh, obviously, not going to share everything that he says because it's off the record, but I thought that he might appreciate an opportunity to show some respect to a fellow competitor on the record. So that's why I asked him that question during the uh, press conference. That's going to wrap up today's episode. Coming up tomorrow, we've got Crossover Thursday. Joe Marino locked on Bills will be coming through for that episode. In the meantime, if you've got questions or comments, questions for future mailbags, uh, throw them into YouTube comments, hit me on Twitter, or send them directly to me as a lock insider by going to jointsubtext.com slash locked on commanders. Got some new insiders to the batch this week. Greatly appreciate all of you, and I, I appreciate you keeping me company uh, during practices, press conferences, all that stuff. As always, thank you so much for making me lo- for making locked on commanders your first listen of the day every day. Every day, thank you again for coming through on a consistent basis like you do. Thanks so much for making me a part of your day, part of your routine. Until we speak again, please be safe, be kind. 
I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.